tons to talk about today on this podcast. But first and foremost, Jason Pridmore back from Mazda Raceway Laguna Seca after a couple days. How was the track, Jay? G-Dub. Uh, yeah, it was good. I got back today. And um, it was it was typical Laguna yesterday. Typical. It was woke up in the morning at the hotel. Everything was soaking wet. It was It had been raining, drizzling, whatever. Drove towards the track. It was not sunny, but it was overcast and dry. And then I basically just taught all day. There was like a, it was like an Aprilia track day. So I've been doing some stuff with them where we had nine students and it was a crash fest. What? What? It was a crash fest. And, it, your, and I feel, at, and I at feel, your, at like a, I mean, I know it's not your no, school. No, no, but. no, 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 no. It was a track day. It was just a track day. Oh, I see. Track it was days. a normal yeah. track day, but then normal there were track nine day, And then I had nine students. Yeah. Okay. Um, and, and it was great. And that was all perfectly fine. A couple of them did tip over, but but it was just typical and, it, and it's nobody's fault. It's literally nobody's fault. It was just a track day, but, but I don't know what it is about Laguna because as you remember, you and I did events up there uh, with star and it would just be, if I had one accident at my schools a day, that was, a, that was like, Whoa, like what just happened? And, and we were up there at Laguna. Unless have, it was Marines. We'd have that's 10. Another yeah, exactly. <laughs> we'd have 10, you know, we'd have 10 crashes at Laguna and yesterday it's like misting and, and cold, by the way, cold, cold. Yeah. And it's like, it's like, just slow down. Like, guys, slow down. And they were just crashing everywhere. Everybody was crashing. So it's, it's difficult. I get it. It's Laguna. People yeah. put a lot into Laguna. Yeah. You, know, you, you know, you and I have talked about this for years. Remember when we kind of like, you know, towards the end of Star School, the last couple of years, I would say, people, this is not a racetrack. It's an enclosed road course, right? right. Like, and, and, and just the, the shift in mentality sometimes would slow people down. They get intimidated or they get hyped up or, you know, and, and it's like, we've had those discussions on airplanes with people like, Oh my God, I would never. And you're like, yeah, but you're, you're on a, an enclosed road course. Everybody's going the same direction. Everybody's got gear on. Everybody's had their bike inspected. You have an ambulance. Is there a safer environment to ride a motorcycle in, in the world? It's, no, it's perfect. And I was saying to somebody yesterday, I was saying to somebody yesterday, I'm like, I have a hard time believing that if we let all these guys go right on the street right now, that 20 of them are going to crash. Yeah, no, it wouldn't happen. That's like, what, that's like, what's, like what's going on right now? Like this doesn't make any sense to me, you know, at all. So mm. that, anyway. that's a good, that's a good point. Anyway, look, let, we, we do have a lot to talk about. Um, you know, if you're listening to this, we hope you subscribe to listening. The, the viewership or the listenership has gone up, which has been great. So hopefully more of you are subscribing. If you're interested in supporting the channel, there's like no incentive to do so. There's nothing special yet that we have, but we do have a Patreon, Patreon page, which is linked uh, in the description of this podcast. Look, we're going to talk about an absolutely ridiculously crazy <laughs> French GP uh, we're going to talk about MotoGP fantasy uh, and, and a bunch of other stuff, but we just want to let you know that this one is presented by Arai. Uh, and Jason, have you heard about Hyper Ridge Construction? Uh, 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 uh. Well, you're going to hear about it right now. Hyper Ridge Construction circles around the shell and acts like a shock absorber, kind of like an automobile bumper, which improves the shell's strength around the bottom opening of the helmet mitigates the spread of cracks in the shell in an event of an impact. Another feature that showcases Arai's obsession for protection. I kind of coined that, obsession for protection. It's really cute. Thanks a lot. I'm sure that everybody appreciates your added added little bonuses to the music too. It's great. Oh, it, you know, you got to feel it. Bro. You got to feel it yeah. in the podcast. 
By the way, another reason to go visit AriAmericas.com for more information because they've been supporting the podcast since the beginning. So amazing. Yes. You know, very, very cool of Ari to do that for us. I mean, well, very cool to you to recognize that considering that you actually are sponsored by a different company. Yeah, but still, I mean, it's really cool that they've, you know, it's it's people like them. And, you know, even for me on my end, like Dunlop and all those guys have been with me forever. So I was, I was up at the track and Chris McGuire from Pirelli, great guy. He, he, he kind of stopped me yesterday when we were leaving and, and, uh, Corey Ventura was there, which was cool. Great kid. And he's, you know, he's doing really well out here. So anyways, we all started talking and he was, he was giving you and I kudos for the broadcast stuff, like how good Atlanta was as far as the racing and going on and on. And we were talking about like, uh, how hard it is like, when you're, when you're invested and you're watching these races. And I, and I said to him, I go, it's, it's shocking to me that I've, I've never swore like why we're doing because and when I say swearing I mean like you get invested in these guys and there's always going to be heartache like when I see when it doesn't matter who it is really to me um but you know if you see a guy putting in the effort and his bike blows up or or he falls over with two to go or something and that initial like oh shit like that sucks like that didn't need to happen you know and or even like SDK's accident last year at Road America remember when that thing backed around on him going into the last corner. He got high sided. Mm-hmm. Like if you and I are on the fence watching that together, just the two of us, we're like, Holy shit. You know, hundred <laughs> percent. And, and, and when you're on TV, you can't, have you ever, have you ever slipped up ever in all the years of broadcasting at all one time? No. And I'm knocking on wood right now. I've, no, I haven't. And I don't know what the switch is. You know, it's, it's weird though, right? Like, well, yeah, because, Oh shit. So, all right. Which let's be honest. That's, it's not, that's nothing. I mean, but in this world that we no, live in today, no, somebody's going to go, oh my God, they're swearing, you know, but, but, but as humans, like you get so invested in these guys and you've known so many writers over all the years and some you've, you've liked obviously more than others, just because that's just natural thing. There's going to be guys that you relate to more or relate to you more. Um, and if you see something happen to them or whatever, it's, hard not to have some sort of reaction to it. I have reaction to anybody. It doesn't matter who it is, but yeah, I just, I was thinking about it last, last night after he had mentioned it to me. Well, think about how natural it is. So in the classes I took in college, Jason, minor in air crash investigation, which is really what I wanted to do when mm-hmm. I graduated college was be an air crash investigator. Don't ask me why I still have a very, a, a big interest in it. Yeah. But in taking those classes, one of the things you learn is that the number one phrase that people say right before they die is, Oh shit. Oh my God. Because you hear it on a, on a, on a voice recorder, (laughs) you know, and it's, it's morbid. I know, but what I'm, what I'm showcasing, and by the way, the the second is, is OF bomb. You know what I mean? Like that's the second phrase that's said. Cause you're you're bleeping out F bombs now on our podcast. That's cute. I I heard about it. (laughs) Yeah. I bleeped out an F bomb. Anyway, that's Greg, like 10 me zero. How many F bombs have you bleeped out on our podcast in two years? I don't know. Three, two. None of mine, though. No, you're pretty good at it. I'm but a better guy. And believe me, it's <laughs> after being on television for 25 years and yeah. doing this stuff, it's yeah. it's a lot for me to even say shit, let alone an F-bomb. No, so but it's, it's crazy, though. It's just it's it's weird because and I mean, you know, we you know, we're with Raj and Robbie and all these guys. And, and you know, when we're around and we're boys being boys or just having conversation or something, you know, a, a curse word will slip out every now and then. But you just sit there and you think about boys being boys, just anything, you know, just Hannah, when Han- Hannah's oh, Hannah, scared. Yeah. Hannah ain't scared either. <laughs> she, yeah. No, scared. Hannah's the best. Like, and, and, and Christy back in the day and, but yeah. no, I agree. I, I, 
yeah, it's just, it was just a funny conversation that, that it got me thinking. Cause it's like, well, it makes me nervous to talk about it because I don't even want you don't want to get in your brain. Yeah. No, no I'm bringing it up. You. And, I'm and you. It, it's, it's a very weird light switch. So as you know, Jason, I have a few friends that are famous actors, right. That have, that have been on TV shows and stuff. And one of the interesting conversations that I've had over the years with one of my friends in particular, who was a really famous actor when he was a kid was the difference in the way people relate. So, you know, I'm very fortunate. You're very fortunate that we're in a job where we are. I would venture to say we are the people you're going to meet with the exception of the swear words. We don't swear on TV, but we swear in real life. As opposed to someone relating to my friend as a, as a, as a fictional character, you know? So yeah. they're always like, hey, you know. And But for me and you, it's like, hey, G-Dub, want to go grab a beer and talk racing? It's like, sure. <laughs> yeah. And then the only time I've had people really shocked when they meet me is if I do swear in front of them, they are shocked. Especially right. the people that have been watching me for 25 years and have never totally. heard a curse word come. Like, it's weird. It's like, it's all of a sudden, in a way, it like humanizes you, you know? And it's like, well, that's True. just the way I really talk. And True. we all know that deep down inside, I'm just an angry man anyway. So well, you there's know. no doubt about that. No doubt. Huh? Yeah. No question. No question. So, it, yeah. But anyway, well, hold on. Greg's Ride of the Race is presented by Hudson Valley Motorcycles. I'm doing it. I'm going to VIR. Then I'm going to go to whatever, Road America, then to. Seattle, then to Laguna and back. I'm doing videos and things like that. So I'll have a video up um, probably Thursday night. I'm going to do a four and a half mile loop that I created on the Rever app and stuff like that. So if you want to check it out, Greg's Garage TV is the name of my channel. There is a Greg's Garage channel who has way more subscribers than I have, by the way. So don't mistakenly click on that dude's do you, you know YouTube channel, Greg's Garage TV to follow that stuff or Facebook or I was Instagram. laughing so hard the other day. I I opened up your Instagram and you're like, got a four and a half hour trip, round trip, like to VIR. And it's like, you you live an hour from there or whatever <laughs> it is, an hour and 20. And I'm cracking up. I'm like, you moron. That's so, what I'm doing. I'm going to yeah, ride good. up there. And then from there, I'm going to ride around. But I have a couple people that want to meet me on the ride, Jay. And That'd be fun. Yeah, they're going to come down. I think there's a person coming up, coming down from DC, coming up from the Southeast. And I'm like, look, this is the... I'm going to text you when I'm going to be on the road, but you can live track me through the River app. So yeah, hopefully perfect. they'll meet up and we'll be able to chit chat it up. But are, yep. when do you get in to VIR? I get in Thursday. What time in the uh, afternoon? Like three something, I think. Okay. I don't I, know if you want to go to the track, but you want to throw me on the back or something. <laughs> yeah, I do. Yeah. Oh my God. Do I ever? <laughs> oh my God, please. But, yeah. but yeah. I believe six o'clock yeah. on Thursday in yeah. the paddock is going to be the premiere of the new Inside Moto America show. And I have seen it and it is wicked good, dude. I saw it. You saw it too? I literally so. saw it and I could I'm like, wow, this is this this it's a step. Like it's great. It's mm-hmm. really, really, really good. I think that that um I mean I mean kudos to all the everybody that was involved in that as far as the production Hannah's the side producer of it. on it even though yeah. she's not like you know host of it anymore she's still heavily involved with that yeah that's and, great uh, yeah it's not a huge team of people either that's doing it it's only yeah, see, like i don't really know any about people. that I, who voiced it uh they actually hired a voiceover actor i was gonna so, well, i was yeah because it's like even that's great i mean just it, it's 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 a it's like a big step for moto america it's i, I think it's it will, it's very intriguing, very enticing, very, uh, you get some really good comments. Um, you get, 
It's very raw. I love that about it. That's what I think is really cool. So yeah, me too. I'm, I'm with you. I, I got it. Um, so it's it's going to be uh, so at six o'clock. They're doing that on Thursday. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so I think perfect. I'm going to I'll be at BIR by then and see who's going to be there, you know, to support, obviously, you know, our friends that are producing that and part of our our commentary to our TV production team. And then, uh, yeah, and then it'll be a quick trip to my Airbnb and then race day. No, it's but, good. Well, speaking of race day, let's talk about this last weekend because <laughs> I don't know about you, but I was glued to the TV Sunday. I had one of those rare weekends at home. I, you know, I watch qualifying and we'll get into our fantasy stuff after this. Um, MotoGP just doesn't seem to ever disappoint us. And again, it was another, uh, you know, it was another great weekend. A lot, you know, Lamar, Greg, I, I sit there and I watch the race, uh, watch the weekend. And there's just so many memories that just come flooding back to me because, I've lived that at at that track specifically. um, I've just had so many weekends there exactly like it was um, where it rains and it dries and it rains and it dries. I mean, we've run 24 hour races where it's just done that the whole entire time. And it's like, you know, you go out there for the first 30 minutes on rains and the, you know, or or first 20 minutes on rains. And in the last 40 minutes, you're either pitting for dries or you're trying to make your rain tires last or it's, it was an insane weekend. Um, and now you just got to think. I there was a quote I think from Cal Crutchlow that said, "Once Jack wins one, he's gonna you know they're gonna come and flood him in bunches," and it sure does look that way. Um, you know, it, it's when you watch what Jack did this weekend. Uh, he was fast in the dry. He was fast in mixed conditions. He's incredible in the mixed conditions, isn't he? When he throws slicks on when it's got a one foot wide line on it, dry I'm line. Scared. He's insane. Yeah, I, I, well, I say he's insane. He's extremely gifted and talented, obviously. But Jack Miller goes on and wins. This race by ever hard charging Johan Zarco. Zarco, Greg, we'll get into it in a little while. He was on the mediums and they were really coming into their own as the track was drying out, where both Miller and third place finisher Quattararo were on the softs and they were suffering there at the end. As the track dried out, they were both hoping for another little downpour, I'm sure, there at the end. There were long lap penalties, there were speeding violations, there were all kinds of things that we'll get into. Crashes. Um, I think the biggest winner in this deal, I mean, obviously. Francesco Bagnaia, he ends up qualifying 16th, horrible in bad conditions. Um, on uh, in qualifying practice uh, one, he doesn't get out of that. So your championship points leader comes from way back, what would have been and could have been a disastrous weekend. He ends up only finishing off the podium. Literally another hard charging guy on medium tires. He was catching Quattararo hand over fist at the end. He ends up fourth, and I think Greg with one more lap, he would have ended up. You know, he would have ended up third. So a really nice work. Danilo Petrucci, welcome back. The guy who won there last year um, hasn't really had much form to show or brag about on the KTM. Uh, but these conditions, it, you know, uh, sadly, this has been the only bright spot for him and the Tech 3 team um, all year long. He ends up fifth. Marquez Alex ends up sixth. So not a bad ride from Alex. Definitely tough conditions. Nakagami, I felt a little bit bad for him, Greg. I think he was better than seventh all weekend long in the dry. He was extremely fast. I think for I think for the most part he was the fastest Honda uh, in the dry. Um, it, you know, again, extremely quick uh, most of the weekend consistently. Paul Spargo ends up finishing behind him in eighth. Lekawona, the second of the Tech Three KTM factory racing bikes, ends up ninth. Good result for him. The ever-puzzling Maverick Vinales. It just seems like unless things are perfect, wow. unless things are absolutely perfect, uh, Vinales just can't 
I don't know. It's really strange, isn't it? I mean, is there? You know, he kind of. You know who? Do you know who he kind of reminds me of? Mm, in terms of what being a total head case? Nah, Tomac. Yeah, I'll go. Like with- one weekend he's there, the next weekend he's gone, and I realize Eli's accomplished a ton. I'm, it's not a knock, but I'm saying that you kind of scratch your head when Eli Tomac finishes eighth or ninth, don't you? Yeah, and I think the point is is that Maverick Vinales is one of two factory Monster Energy Yamaha MotoGP racers. Yeah, and the inconsistency is is incredible. And as a Maverick Vinales fan, me too. You're like rooting for him, but then when he does what he did, which was raindrops fell, the people who were out front still on slicks were still charging, and he yeah. just he just shut the throttle off. I know it just it was dude it was literally like he was there and then he was gone gone like gone like and you sit there and and when you're in those conditions and you see what other guys are doing you know you never really want to be the guy well I say you always want to be leading but you never really want to be the guy leading when it gets to those weird conditions because you're kind of the first one testing the waters when you're in his position Vinales being third fourth fifth you got enough guys in front of you that you can kind of see what's going on but he just loses all feel like everything is lost gone and it's it's crazy. Rossi ends up eleventh. Some saying, "Oh, this is a better result." Uh, I don't know. Forty two seconds back. Forty two seconds. I was just gonna. You read my mind. I was in there looking at forty two right now. And I'm like forty two seconds back. Uh, I don't know how great that is. Yeah. Marini ends up twelfth. Brad Bender just never found anything all weekend. He was yeah. just he Bummer. wasn't even close. And for the Red Bull KTM factory team, it was a horrendous weekend. Bastianini fourteenth. Rabat actually got a point there at the end. And then Morbidelli, we'll talk about him in a second too. I was puzzled. I said to somebody, I'm like, like, you know how they you've seen all the memes where they're like soccer players do this and this is what motorcycle racers do, you know. And, and I was like, Morbidelli was laying on the ground, like dying. And then the next thing you know, I see him running his bike. And I'm thinking, what is going on right now? Like, like, yeah, it, and it was too bad. Uh, we'll talk about that incident also. Obviously, we got to go to the non-finishers here, some big hitters. Uh, the the world champion, Juan Mir. Uh, we haven't been able to say too many times uh, that he's had issues where he hasn't finished, but he didn't finish. Lorenzo Savadori, who was incredible in qualifying. Don't know if you watch qualifying, Greg, or all of it, but Savadori ends up crashing in QP1, runs back to the pits, gets on his bike, and ends up getting that Aprilia through to qualifying two. So it was his best qualifying result. Unfortunately, his bike gave up the ghost in the race, which was too bad. Rins continuing to make mistakes, especially early season mistakes. Um, that just kill his championship hopes. I mean, is this third race in a row, G Dub? Is it second or third race in a row where he scored where he scored nothing? I think second, because he, what did he, he end has, up at Jerez? Uh, let me pull it up while you continue talking. Yeah. Well, anyways, Rins. I I I gotta say, disappointing. Um, I love the guy. I did kick him off my fantasy team this week for that reason. To Two be crashes though. Two crashes. In the- yeah. And the second one, man, I'll tell you, if I had a dollar for every time I've seen guys roll out of the pits and fling it in that first little right. And it looks like they're dead upright and you go like, what did he do wrong? He didn't do anything wrong, but he ends up falling off. So the Suzuki team had a brutal weekend. Oliveira, another accident victim. He fell a running sixth, doing so well. He ends up breaking or blowing up in the exact same spot. Savadori did some, whatever it was, uh, laps later, three, four laps later. Um, super bum for him. And then, of course, Mark Marquez. And I think that the the brief talk that we can have about him was he jumped to the front qualifying practice too with about four minutes left ahead of Nakagami and Paul Espargaro. The announcers are like, that's it. It's a Honda locked up front row. And the next thing you know, those guys are like seventh, eighth, and ninth. 
Um, it that was how Q1 went. It was in or Q2 went. It was in crazy last like what minute and a half, two minutes of that qualifying practice. Yeah. But Marquez was incredible. He stayed with those guys at the beginning. He took the lead from Quattararo. He was on his way. And when you watch the video, he just cracks the thing on ever so slightly coming out of that last corner and it flings him. And then uh and then he ends up crashing again, Greg, after he comes into the pits. So um just devastating. I, I really felt I really felt like that was a deal that could have put him back into the championship points, like really right back in it if he could have got those 25. Yeah, he post-race obviously said that there was a huge opportunity missed. And there's there's no question yeah. about it. You know, that, yeah. that would have done a lot for everything. It would have done a lot for obviously the team, the sponsors, his confidence, because, yeah. you know, we all look at him as Mark Marquez, like what, what's the problem? As soon as he gets strength back, he'll be back winning. But I think he's got to prove it to himself. There's in the post-race interview about that you can kind of hear it between the lines like you know it was an opportunity missed from a lot of perspectives and it it's a shame to see but you know what do you it's don't, don't forget man i mean he was off the bike for 9 10 11 months no i get like it that. i get you know, it and, and that's the thing it. where yeah. at least jack miller's been riding you know and winning but it was an interesting race if you didn't get to see it folks it's it, it, you know it's a flag to flag race which means unlike world superbike unlike moto america the premier class has two motorcycles. So one set up for dry in this situation, one set up for wet. And once the white flag comes out and it says that basically this is a flag to flag race right in the middle of the race at any time, they can come in and switch motorcycles back and forth as much as they want. Mm -hmm. And so there was the, the question at, towards the end of the race, if Jack Miller was going to come in because the track track was dry. I was like, what are you talking about? Oh, of course. Yeah. He, he ain't coming back eight anymore. laps to go. He's not pulling, pulling in. I mean, you know, better than anybody, Jason, how long that pit lane is at it's too long. Yeah. It's too long. I mean, you just got to ride it out. Now Miller's combination of tire ended up being the winning combination of tire, but, I but, told you but, before, only, but only just, I mean, but only just, well, I mean, 3.9 seconds. Like, right. And Zarco ended up saying like, look, man, with two laps to go, I was pushing too hard. But the, the thing is, is I'm on a thread. I've told you before uh, a WhatsApp thread with, with Michelin, uh, you know, along with a hundred other people. And it was made pretty clear to us during the course of the weekend that if it's full rain conditions, they had two options for rain tires. They had a soft and a medium. And in full rain conditions, if it was going to be wet and continued raining, without question, the soft tire was the money move. Yep. If it was wet but drying, the medium was the money move. Yep. As we know, Johan Zarco, like you said, Peko Bagnaya, medium, medium. Jack Miller's combination, which I thought was the smarter combination, was medium front, soft rear. Mm -hmm. Fabio's was soft front, medium rear. And that's Correct. why he ended up with, you know, like barely holding on towards the end. You know, props to Michelin for for keeping those tires together too. It's the worst know? feeling when you're on a soft front, the track is drying and there's kind of no end of in sight as far as like the weather, like it's, you know, what he battles there at the end, you know, you can control the rear a little bit more, obviously it's your throttle hand and you got to be, you know, you got to be a little bit careful, but when you have a soft front rain tire and man, it feels so mushy and horrible and, just holding on for those laps. But I think when you get right into the nuts and bolts of this race, Greg, you know, when they started this race, you could see the wind was kicking up and then Ooh, the, yeah. the, the rain was starting. And it's, it's so funny. They did a shot. I was, I had a friend with me, we were watching the race and I said, the funny thing is, is you could be sitting in the garage and from your chair in this, in the, in the garage, you're looking out through onto pit lane and it's just bright sunshine, bright sunshine. 
Then all of a sudden you'll just see a sheet of rain and it's still bright sunshine, but it's just absolutely pouring because the wind there gets to be so extreme and the rain is coming from however many miles away to the west um, of, or even the east of you. And it's just blowing down pit lane. And then next thing you know, the clouds finally show up. But a lot of the rain gets there five minutes before before you really start to see the clouds overhead because the rain gets so bad. And you'd be out on track and you'd be feeling, you know, you'd be watching for that, especially uh, during the, obviously during the day. And at night, it was just so difficult because you'd be headed down one of those back straightaways and a sheet of rain would just hit you while you're on slicks. And, you know, a lot of, you'd see a lot of guys just running straight at the end of that uh, back straight there um, before the little left, right chicane. Cause there's a run, there's a road that you can run down and you'd see a lot of bikes under initial rain go down that road. Um, but, but yeah, I think when you look at this, a couple things will really come to mind. First off, Quattro's arm obviously is good. He led this race. He did a tremendous job. Miller, when they did come in to make those bike swaps, there was two funny things that happened. Obviously, Miller sped coming onto pit lane. He was some 10K over. 14K. Was it 14? Yeah. Yeah. Um, 10 to 14K over as he entered the pit lane. He ends up getting a double ride through penalty on the long lap penalty. And Quattro goes to Vinala's pit and drops his bike off in front of Vinala's bike. And he gets a long lap penalty. So both these guys get long lap penalties. Jack getting two of them. But it was insane how quick Jack caught Quattararo, even after he did his two long lap penalties. Yeah, I think just I think most of that had to do with the front tire. Like one of the things that nobody brought up that I that I definitely want to bring up, and I and I'm not trying to make excuses for racers at all, but I'm not sure how your setup was, Jason, and endurance. I'm sure this didn't change. But one, there's two things that most riders are going to do in MotoGP when it rains, distinctly rains. One is clear visor because obviously it's going to be darker. And, you know, even MotoGP on their website and photographers who shoot MotoGP love the rain from the perspective of, I can see the eyes. The mm-hmm. second thing is, is these extra long knee pucks that the that a lot of the riders will use. Most of the time, it's the shorter riders. They're double stack knee pucks. Back yeah. when you raced, we would double stack the knee pucks, glue them together yeah. or whatever. And, you know, I don't want to make excuses, like I said, but it is difficult when you have a certain setup that you have in order to go fast. And in the middle of the race, you have to jump from one bike to another and you have normal knee pucks on and you have your smoke screen. And I, I guarantee you, Jason, that there are some of the riders that were affected mentally by that, that situation as well. It's not just the conditions because it just seems like Lamar has got some crazy lack of grip for some, it it really does. it's not good in the rain. And to your point, what's funny, Greg, is, you know, I've never had rain knee pucks. I've never had them. It's kind of funny that you bring it up because I've actually never had them. And I never really, I think probably because I've never had them, it never really played into my mind when I was out right racing in the rain at Le Mans. I mean, I've done so many laps in horrendous conditions around that track. I, I, I can't even tell you hours and hours of laps around that place <laughs> of touring, torture, pure French crappy, torture, horrible weather. <laughs> <laughs> and cold. I mean, it, that's the other thing that you just don't understand. It's it's bitterly cold. I mean, did you see the wind in in Park Ferme after they were done? How it was just like it was. Well, yeah. Cooling. I mean, if you saw it post race too, when when you saw the freeze frame shot that they had of Miller breaking the speed limit, Jack pointed out when I came in, that's the right. barrier for Park Ferme had fallen over right in front of him. 
Like that's how, and so what was interesting though, Jay, as you're talking about, and I I don't mean to jump you, but one of the things that Quateraro had mentioned, by the way, he'd never done a flag to flag race before. So when, when, yeah, he he hadn't done it. I mean, think about it. He's only been in GP now a couple of years, right? And they hadn't had a flag to flag race yet. So in Moto2, they only have one bike. So in the instance that happened when it started to rain, the red flag would have come out. And so what Quateraro said post race was, he goes, I thought for a moment, wait a second, the red flag's coming out. And then, and this is him, like I'm quoting him. And then he said, oh, and he dropped the F-bomb live, which of course I loved. It's MotoGP. <laughs> there is no red flag. Right. Oh, F-bomb, right? And he was like, so that was his deal. He'd never come into pit lane, at, you know, like to actually, he practiced it, but he'd never done it in a race situation. So for Quartararo, there was a lot of stuff going on in his head because it was his first time. Totally never would have picked up on that without his post-race press right. conference or, you know, that interview. And I yeah, thought, okay, well, that known, now, huh? yeah, that now makes a lot of sense. But that would have know? been Bagnaya's first maybe too? Quite possibly. Yeah. yeah. So you look down the list, there's probably a few guys that, that probably had that experience for the first time. And, you know, Miller just seemed to handle everything. And now it just looks like he's kind of on a run. And and I was one of the, the beginning of the season. I'm like, man, this guy's gone 9-9. Nine, nine, crash and i'm thinking what is like oh dude there's no doubt so i mean what is going on right now and and now it's like you there's a momentum there that seems uh to to be going forward and they're going to magello next which is ducati land you know and (laughs) yeah to say the least you got to think that that uh you know he's going to be there but that you what can you say about you know zarco zarco right now Model of consistency right there in the championship. He's got to win one of these, doesn't he, Greg? I mean, doesn't he just, it would just seem to me that he's got to win one of these races soon. Um, he was a couple of laps away from doing that here. He's been close at Doha. Um, he's, what is he? Is he third in the points? He's second in the points right now? Third in the points. So third Peco's, in the points. So it's Quart and then Pecco's one That's point right. back. And then. That's right. So, so the thing, the thing I agree with Zarco, it's, it's great. And if you listen to him, he's, he's got his emotions in check. And he was like, look, it took five laps for those medium tires to come in. Right. Jason, the one talking point about Michelin the whole time was heat in the tire. It's why we saw a lot of crashes. It was, you know, it, it just a lot was, of crashes. It, the, the riders even complaining about having the race too early in the season. It's May. And I was laughing when they're saying that I'm like, well, we were doing <laughs> that. The Lamont 24 hour happens in April. So it's a full month, a month <laughs> earlier. So yeah, I feel their pain. Um, yeah, you're, but, but you're exactly right. The tires there were the key. He lost too many uh, positions early. Then as the track dried out, those tires were obviously the ones to be on. As we go down through, it's like, again, Bagnaya, I think was the biggest salvage job. He's got to walk out of there feeling unbelievably good. He was, I mean, Greg, he was legitimately probably staring a non top 10 in the face. If it would have been continuing to rain. I think in the dry, he would have found his way forward. I don't know how far forward yeah, he would have P4, found himself. P4, it's hard to say. I mean, 27, P4, yeah, 27% was, yeah. of the people that started this race didn't finish. I mean, yeah, it's not crazy. it's not unheard of, but Lamar for the last couple seasons has been the number one crash track in MotoG, on the MotoGP calendar period. Wow. Like, I Is think that right? 18, I didn't 19, know that. That's wild. But, yeah, all, all classes combined, all sessions combined, they're well over 100 each year for the last like three wow. years, there was a, there was a wow, tweet wow, wow. that I read. Yeah. That I read on Thursday and I was like, Oh boy, here we go. You know, but have you ever Jason seen a MotoGP finish where you have first, 
second and third, come across the line, four seconds away from first, 14.4 away from, from, you know, from first place, from first place, right? But all of them were celebrating like they won the race. I mean, Quattro was over the moon, wasn't it? He even said in his post-race interview, it's like a win for him. He's got back into the points. I mean, I think that, you know, the funny part was, is when you talk about his arm and the arm pump surgery, and Alasia's had that now done this week as well. But when, when Marquez was leading, I was like, he's going to win because this is like the perfect thing for him. It's, it's wet, so it's not as physical as it would have been if it was dry. And I was, I'm not gonna. I mean, I gotta say, I was surprised to see him make the mistake he made. Um, I felt like it, it just goes to show how treacherous it is and how easy it is to crash there um, with the conditions the way they were. Uh, but I was thinking to myself, Marquez is always. If you think about it, he's always crashed during practices, hasn't he, Greg? Practices, we'll see him occasionally crash in qualifying. But his run for two or three years there was incredible. Where he still ended up finishing every every race, and more importantly, he, you know he would end up winning most of them. But he yeah, ends he, up crashing. Like the last only year. race he crashed out of in a couple of years Jerez. was Coda and and Jerez uh, last year. So you're 100 percent right. Those are the two that come to my mind. And now he's crashed out of this one. So now we're starting to see more mistakes. I feel more mistakes made in the races. You know, all of his great saves and stuff that they get, they they're usually happening in practice or qualifying or whatever. Um, but I thought when he got to the lead, I thought, all right, this guy's going to play it cool, at least get himself 20, 25 points out of this deal. And I think that's what he alludes to. And that's the disappointment you saw in his face after the race. Like this was the race that would have put him back kind of in the, in the hunt. I mean, he, he gets 25 points here and Bagnaya ends up fifth and Quattro ends up fourth, uh, instead of third, you sit there and you go, well, there's a little momentum swing kind of, you know, and I don't think that. You know, and I think that the Yamaha will be a little bit harder to win on at Magello next round. Um, and so these, these are going to be the testing rounds now for, for Quattararo. I, I just don't think that winning is automatic because you have the talent. You know, you, you, you're Mark Marquez. You come in after blitzing everybody in Moto2. You show up in MotoGP. You have success right away. And he had years and years and years of winning, 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 winning. And this is the first real adversity that we've seen him have to fight in the premier class. And I think it's just going to take time. It's going to yeah. take time for his head. I think that people just go, well, he's Mark Marquez, but Mark Marquez is still human. Yes. And there's still oh, the ability 100%. to make mistakes and, you know, not be in that rhythm of save, 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 you know, and, I, and I've said this for years. You've heard me say it for years. There's a certain level of luck that comes with winning championships. And eventually that luck runs out and riders end up getting hurt. I mean, the, the list is long and distinguished of riders getting hurt at the prime of their career. And I just hope that Mark Marquez is one of those riders, you know, like, uh, you know, Mick Dewan, who can come back from a, 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 an injury that could have been career ending and, and finds his way back to his winning ways. You know, yeah. the last time we saw Rossi up front, it was towards the end of the season a couple of years ago, and he could not close the deal, right? He crashed out late in races, couldn't even, you know, win. He was leading that one race. I can't remember where it was. Like, uh, well, he was at Le Mans two years ago. He was battling with Vinales until the last lap, or was it last year? Yeah, no, it was two years. It was two years ago. Yeah, two, it was two, two years, years ago. ago. Yeah, two yeah. years ago. Because you know, Petrucci, Petrucci won last year. So, yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's one of those weird things where it, it, it's just such a, Motorcycle road racing and, and most racing in general, but more motorcycle road racing is so mental. 
you know, supercross, motocross, same way. It's just so incredibly mental. I mean, you know, you and I and Colin Edwards were on a golf course way back in 1990, pick a year. And I remember Colin saying, you know, racing is 90% mental. 100%. Well, when you get to the level that those guys are where they've got really good guys around them, engineers, crew chiefs, mechanics and stuff, and, you know, these guys know how to ride. So that's why I think that the MotoGP is so interesting right now because you've got so many guys that can win on a weekend and it could just be like a little conditions race like this. The fact that Jack still was able to go and do what he did, I thought was super impressive. Um, but like I said, I think Bagnaya was amazing. Petrucci, good to see him back up there. Will we see him in fifth anywhere else? If it doesn't rain, I, I, I doubt it. It doesn't I, look, it doesn't I, look like it right now, unless there's a big like change. Now, going, I think, but. I think Savadori, when you look at kind of riders of the weekend that were really impressive, Savadori to me was incredible on the Aprilia. I mean, this guy's under constant fire for his job. I mean, they got Doby out there riding his bike and testing and things. And, and, uh, you know, guy goes straight through from Q1 to Q2 after crashing in Q1 and really did better than Aleish, uh, obviously. So um, it, it was pretty, it's pretty impressive to see what he did. I, I think, you know, when they're at Magello in two weeks, Greg, is that when they go there? Yeah, two weeks. Two weeks. So, but keep in mind, Jay, one of the, one of the, reasons why Tito Rabat is on that bike was because, you know, their test rider wasn't available to fill in like he normally does because he was at Mugello testing. Like that's how important it is. So when was you have he a testing guy like, MotoGP world Superbike, what was he testing? MotoGP. He was yeah. interesting, isn't it? That's why they got Tito because they were like, no, oh, sorry. And it's great for Tito. He's getting some miles under his belt before he gets ready to go world Superbike. What that's this next weekend, I believe mm, it is. So, insane like it's all happening greg moto 2 um heartbreaker i don't know about you okay but we just had this discussion um about getting emotionally invested my phone almost went through my tv i was so mad i was like and i'm not saying i was upset but i was mad i was like what when when i'm watching the beginning of the race and i do the whole no spoiler thing i got up sunday and enjoyed my morning just kind of chilling and get ripping down to my my TV so I could throw it on. So I go, no spoiler. I don't know any results. And and I was like, I was pulling so hard for obviously Joe and Cameron. And, and I've got a little connection with Sam Lowe's as well. And at the at the very beginning when the guys got away a little bit and then Joe ran him down, all I kept thinking to myself is I was watching him run wide. It like almost clipping the back, not clipping the back guys, but getting close to the back of guys running out wide then cutting it back and i'm like oh and then i'm thinking all he's got to do is be a little bit patient that's it if joe's patient he's there this is a race that he arguably should have won last year if you remember greg they had to lift his bike off the grid because they couldn't get the rear wheel something was going on with the rear wheel remember that he qualified on pole i do and so i'm sitting there going all right there's some redemption that could be coming back his way here because he looked amazing he looked fast taking nothing away from Raul fernandez who completed all the laps and i'm not crowning joe as the winner of this but he, I think this was his best chance to date because he kind of got the, got back up to the leaders, but it was almost like he was, it was almost like he was trying to just get into every corner deeper than everybody, every turn of every lap for those first three laps. And I'm thinking full tank of fuel, kind of cool conditions, just chill out just a little bit. You're right there. And where he fell in the accident that he made, I would expect, I, I wasn't expecting that. I was I was so bummed and disappointed and and mad that that it happened. And then Sam's incident, um, 
you know, where he goes up underneath, uh, I, I believe it was Xavi Vierge, I believe. And I'm sitting there going like, what are you doing? Like, for me, it's, there's 22 laps to go. And, and what I get frustrated with, and whether it's those two guys or anybody, I mean, we watched Sam crash out, didn't even get to turn two at Portugal. And he crashes out of this one and he's, and he won both races in Doha. Like, where is it that you get to the point where you use some of your experience and go, okay, I need to be here for the end of this race. I need to just, I got to get stuck in. I mean, the leaders aren't going anywhere. Like just show an, an ounce of patience so that you can get tires up to temperature, bodies up to temperature, let the field string out a little bit, start making some moves, whatever. Um, where he went, where he went and underneath Vierge, he's on a wet patch. Like that wet patch was there the lap before and the lap before that and the lap before that. Like there comes a point where you've just got to go like, just, just use that dome a little bit. Joe Roberts did not look frantic to me on the bike, but at times he looked hectic on the bike. I thought he looked frantic. I didn't think he looked frantic because because he ran wide in the big long right after Dunlop. He ran wide in the long left after that. And when I say this, I'm saying this, please, the criticism I'm giving isn't like I'm more I'm more internally upset that it didn't go his way because I, I felt I, like this was I a think, shot for him. I think Joe could have won the race. I think he had the speed and everything else. I think he would have been there all the way to the end. I, I agree. By the way, Raul Fernandez won the race by 1.4 over Remy Gardner. Marco Bezzecchi again on the podium, but third place, and that's who Joe ended up like getting close with or hit. Like, I don't know what happened, right? Like it was yeah, but Bedzecki. to do it in that spot though. No, I know that. All right. Tony Arbolino, Ben Snyder, Schroeder, uh, Iagora, seven points. I, I believe. Yeah. Another solid he's top 10. Great. By the way, he is riding great. I mean, I think he's actually better on a moto two bike than he ultimately was on a moto three bike. Um, in terms of consistency, of course, that just might be a function of the fact that you can actually find an inch and a half on a Moto2 track as yeah. opposed to Moto3. Uh, Gigi Antonio in eighth. He had a Corsi. crazy race too, didn't he? He did, yeah. Corsi, Navarro, uh, Bulaga, Chantra, Ramirez, uh, you know, Cameron Bobier's teammate in 13th, Arenas, and Hafiz Sirene, uh, who, who I'm a fan of because, you know, I know him, a yeah. really nice cat and everything, yep. in, in 15th place in our last point score. Jason, 33% of the field did not finish. 30 riders wow. started, only 20 finished. Aaron Kinnett had a huge high side early wow. out to exit. The last faller and non-finisher in this race was Cameron Bobier, who went from, what, 22nd? Or 23rd 20, or 22nd to 20, 24th, somewhere around there, yeah. to 6th place, and was towing a train of people around. This is the part where I've been avoiding asking you this because I was waiting to get to this point, but what the shit with turn three at freaking Lamar, Jay. Could you please explain it's it? nasty. Because Cameron's crash was so late, okay? It was late. It was very late. It was and so late. And listen, I have some inside information that says if they looked at the data and the data said every single thing that he did was the same with one exception, for some reason, his tire temperature had dropped significantly. Yeah, right. A couple of degrees C dropped and boom, Crazy. out. And it's all about that front end feel for Cam. And boom, that thing went so late. I was like, what uh, What just happened? Yeah, I was place. the same. And, and turn three there has a little crown to it. And so, like, if you watched a couple of the accidents that had happened, and I I literally got to start making notes just for the podcast because there was a couple guys that fell that got in there wide. And, and it's almost like, um, well, it's, it goes a little bit off camber. 
So if you don't get the bike tipped in at the right spot and kind of get over that curbing, uh, if you get wider in that, but Cameron's crash to me again was so, so late. It was like, well, you know, it's late because it kind of went down the middle of the racetrack and you know, where he was trying to pick the thing up and all yeah, that. it got, it, was, it like got back on the racetrack. Hor- yeah, 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 exactly. And I, he must've broke something off it too, because he obviously didn't finish. Um, it's just, it's, it's, it's gotta be disheartening in one regard on the other regard. I mean, he keeps on showing his, his, his race paces. I mean, to come from 23rd and I realized that there was, uh, there were some accidents and things ahead of him. There was some attrition in this race, uh, for him. Yeah, to, but that's to one thing coming from spots. 23rd to 10th coming from Correct. 23rd to 12th with the attrition. I understand that, but he but went, he went from 23rd sixth. to sixth. Yeah. And the group of guys behind him, like uh, they were, they were, they were all locked in. Schroeder, Agura, DiGiantonio ended up being part of that at the end. Corsi, Navarro. I mean, DiGiantonio, he took somebody out, didn't he? He took, was it Garzo? I think he took Hector Garzo out or he touched him or he did something or. Jay, I I barely remember. I mean, it was, it was three days ago or two days ago and there were so many crashes. I'm like, the hell? All you got to do is breathe on somebody now in race directions looking at it. So. Like when those guys were talking about, are they going to penalize lows? I mean, there's a point where racing is racing. I mean, there's you don't want to be penalizing guys for trying to be a little aggressive. What Sam did is he went up underneath at that wet patch and took VRA out. But I didn't actually get to see what Deji Antonio did to Garzo. I didn't actually see it. So I don't know exactly what happened there. But yeah, really disappointed for Cam. Really disappointed for Joe. Um, but I, but with know, that said, okay, have you ever have you ever known a racer that hasn't finished three races or whatever uh, in five like Bobier, but so many people are like, he's doing a good job. I mean, really he is doing a good job and he's well, yeah, just he got to finish. Like it's in MotoGP, as I've been told recently, it's not race to race. Like it tends to be here in the United States. It's more about, they end up putting, um, you know, they, 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 they kind of in MotoGP and world Superbike they'll do something that we tend not to do, which is rationalize how things are. Well, they're yeah. on this level of equipment, like Roger Hayden in World Superbike. You look oh, at Roger yeah. Hayden's results in World Superbike, and if you just looked at the results sheet, you'd go, oh my God, like like he must but, have been garbage. Yeah, everybody but knew what he was on though. Everybody knew what he was on. And so everybody's like, he's out riding the bike that he is racing on. Correct. So he's doing a great job. So for Cameron Bobier, I think a lot of people in that paddock are saying, well, look, you know, we understand Cameron's throwing it down the road, but look at the speed he's able to, and look at what he's able to do so early on, he'll get it sorted out. And, and what I want to say, Jason, is how many years have we seen Remy Garner be, be Remy Gardner, and now all of a sudden he's a completely matured individual? Like, yep. you cannot go to the Moto2 class and just win right out of the box, you know? especially for someone like Bobier, who's been on a super bike. He's been on different Dunlop tires. He's getting used to the tracks again, all that stuff. And I'm not excusing it away, but what I am saying is for those people that are kind of poo-poo and Bobier, I think to say, just calm down a little bit and let him find his footing because once they figure out how they can give him a little bit more front end feel, you know, again, he's going to be right in the mix. So, yeah. Well, one of the things you got to look at, and you mentioned his name. I mean, Remy Gardner right now looks like the guy who has made that step as far as racecraft. You know, he's not tossing it down the road. He's He's been on kind of shit equipment uh, or not as good equipment as, as some of the others in the last few years. He's overridden bikes. He's gotten hurt. He's crashed. He's come back. 
But now there's a there's a little bit of a savviness to him, if you will, where he looks like, okay, it, you know, he, he wants to win races, but he's not going to throw races away for the sake of trying to win. He's going to collect these second and third place. I mean, he doesn't want to get beat by his teammate. I mean, Raul Fernandez right now, all the talk with Acosta, how, Raul Fernandez is in that conversation too, as far as like incredible like class rookies. Raul Fernandez is riding insane good. And yeah, he beat his teammate again, but Gardner... And even Bezeki, they're there for the long run. These guys know they keep finishing top three, top four. Don't throw the race down the road. Don't make stupid, stupid, silly mistakes at the beginning of these races with 20-something laps to go. Be there at the end. You've got to be there at the end. And I think that um, Remy's really impressed me so far this season. Could not agree more. And post-race, yeah. not in, in Park Ferme, but when they do the later interview, the woman interviewing him just said, what's the difference in change? And he had to sit there and just say, look, it's just mentality. It's yeah. mentality. It's maturing. Smart. Yeah. Smart. And, and that's you know? what he's really started to sort out with himself is to look at the big picture as opposed to look at lap to lap or flag to flag and be like, win it or bin it. Right. Yeah. You know, it's, 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 no, it's, it's, there's, I think, I think a lot of people learned from the Juan Mir approach last year. And I laugh because there's so many people that you almost just feel like Juan Mir is not even the world champion because they just, it's almost like he doesn't really get that credit. And it's because he's not up in those, he's not up there every weekend in practices and in qualifying and stuff, but he always seems to find his way into that top five come the races when it matters and collect those points. Obviously he didn't do that this weekend, but, but it's like, he is as worthy a champion as anyone just because somebody has got to win it. And he did what he did to do. And I think that that resonated with a lot of these younger writers as well. When you look at the guys like Remy, who's like, wait a minute, I want to win. I'm going to push as hard as I can to win. And I'm not going to beat myself though. Somebody else beats me. It's going to, it's going to bum me out, but I'm going to click those 20 points and move on to the next one. Smart. You know, so yeah, really smart. And Moto3, Greg, great, huh. great to see this too. Uh, crazy race again. Um, it was a little bit more spread out than we normally see in these Moto3 races. Sergio Garcia gets his first win. Philip Salich gets his first podium and Ricardo Rossi also gets his first podium. So it was a really entertaining podium celebration seeing these three guys as happy as they were. John McPhee gets his first points of the year in round five, and he was actually running in, catching Rossi all the way to the end, but Rossi just stepped it up a little bit on the last lap and was able to, to get away. Sasaki, Fernandez, Artigas is seventh. The sensation of the year, Pedro Acosta, cracked me up. Guy crashes and holds onto his bike, <laughs> slides into the gravel, picks the thing up, and in the same exact lap, Greg, he passed two guys. Yeah. Oh my! So, it, it's what a charge he put on through the. I mean, seriously, dude. He 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 crashes, holds on to it, and only finishes twenty nine point eight seconds. Behind. I mean, unreal. And you know, it's like for anybody that ever tips off, it that's how you lose digits. You know, when you hold on to a bike. Mm -hmm. um, that said, there's there's different types of crashes where you know, obviously, you can do it like he did there. Didn't look like there was any damage. His team were very adamant on the wall, saying like, "Hey, be smart, like." Like we'll take eight. Then you see the sign eighth. Okay. Okay. Um, yep. Yeah. Dennis Anchu, Fanati ends up 10th. Mino, Yamanaka, Dupesque ends up 13th. Guevara. Um, and then I don't know this one, Greg. It, I don't know how to say Andy Farid. Farid. Is, yeah. Is Dihar. Is, is Dihar. Yeah. Is, is Dihar. That's yeah. one I don't know. So, uh, you know, in this one, again, the, the guys that we have seen make these mistakes over and over and over through the years that Nico Antolin, Nelly, Jami Masia, another good chance for points. Throws it away early. 
I know that the conditions are treacherous and they're super hard and everybody, everybody's susceptible to make mistakes, but, but man, you got to keep it up. You just got to keep it up. Right. And this Acosta kid, Greg, it's just unheard of. What kind of odds would you have gotten Vegas that after five rounds, a rookie is going to have a 54 point lead in the championship? Yeah. Especially after binning it and then picking it back up in a Insane. race. Insane. Yeah. No, it's crazy. You'd be a rich, you'd be a rich person right now if you put a couple thousand dollars down on that oh. bet. A hundred, couple hundred dollars down. I mean, it, it's nice to see that Acosta was human. He didn't have like a clean, you know, clean weekend. And Correct. But Jay, what scares me about Acosta is the way he approaches racing. If you watch his interviews, you almost want to grab him by the shoulders and say, hey, man, you're a kid. You know, any, yep. anytime you want to just be a kid, be a kid. Correct. But he has yep. such a professional level-headed view of what he's there to do. And it's his job. Now, he's, you know... His family doesn't come from a lot of money, you know, whatever, you know, he's got a lot invested emotionally in the sport. He's completely dialed in, in racing on the business side of things and why he's there and the tip of the cap to him, but he's, he's really fun to watch and he might be the blueprint as to how, you know, racers are going to be moving forward. But, and he, and he seems to be able to balance it with having a good time too. Like when he does win, but so talented on a motorcycle, man, Yeah, really, really good. And, Moto three is going to be fun to watch. I mean, I, I the kid can literally not race the next two rounds and still be leading the championship. Yeah, but the thing is, the Pretty thing wild. that really kind of irks me is all these people now are like, oh, I heard Moto GP teams are talking to you. I don't know if you heard that. You know, like yeah. Aprilia, whatever. Well, you why know? wouldn't and, they be? Well, because he's sixteen, he can't even. I, I race. get all that. He I can't race that. in the GP class for a couple of years. Of course, they'll doesn't talk mean to they him. doesn't mean they can't do letter of intents or things for a year. No, from no, now, no. I know that, whatever, but it's right? like you know, yeah. I don't know. I mean, look. The, oh, I mean, Jack Mil- Miller, Miller from Moto three to to, to Moto GP. No, that's and, true. And and Miller, by the way, rumor is I don't know if it came out today. I didn't see, but you know, rumor is they're signing him to another to another deal. Like yeah. that deal should be done by the time he gets to Mugello. He's going to get a contract extension because if you don't know people, Miller only did a one-year deal with Ducati. And after those first three rounds, like Jason was talking about, people are like, I don't know. I think they're going to ditch him. Yeah. Well, two two race wins in a row will get gets you that. you some credit, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, and, and rightfully so. If you'd have told me after, what, four rounds, three rounds, that Miller was going to win the next two, I'd have laughed at you. Um, I would have said, okay, yep, sure. But uh, but he's done a really nice job. It just goes to show how much mental fortitude he has and and uh, the way he thinks about himself. So last thing you, I want to say about GP have, though, yeah, last yeah. thing I want to say yeah. about GP is what's very dangerous for everybody else is the Ducati finally seems to be a very balanced motorcycle that can win at a variety of racetracks. It's done it in the dry. It's done it in the wet. It's done it in mixed conditions. Um, it's done it at like, Doha. It's, it's done it at Le Mans. It's you know what I mean, like it's, it's Perez, right? So. Yeah. So you sit there and you go, yeah, and and it and the other thing that's a real tell about that is all the Ducatis are doing pretty well. It's not just like that's what you I'm know. Saying. If Jorge Martin was there this weekend, he'd have been up front too. And I think Bastianini has done a really nice job to get his year kind of started. So I, I you know, I'm with you, Greg. I think it's going to be really interesting moving forward to see how you know, see how that goes and how what the other teams are going to do. That's why I think that's where the Yamahas almost seem like they're going to have a little trouble. They've kind of made hay where the sun shines at the beginning of the year. And now they're kind of going into the Ducati tracks like Austria, the A1 ring there. And of course, Mugello. Um, yeah, we'll see what happens. We will. Hey, by the way, we're doing MotoGP Fantasy. So if you go to fantasy.motogp.com, you can join us. 
and it doesn't you cost guys you anything are doing to MotoGP play. fantasy i'm in i'm not in a good spot well i i slipped a little because did. i did, did not make a change on my team i did want to make a change this week and i didn't get to it in time it didn't hurt me well it, it definitely hurt me but there was so much crazy stuff that went on there were a lot of movers and shakers but as a matter of fact we someone's up front now displaced craig who as username is uh craigers mm-hmm. so i think he I think Craig changed his thing, but anyway, it's Craig with three G's and it's displaced Craig. Jason, listen to this. This is, this is what a winning team looks like. All right. So if you're, if you're don't know about MotoGP fantasy, it's simple. You get a budget, whatever that, I can't remember what it is, you know, like $18 million or something like that. And each rider has a value associated with them. You get to pick four riders and a manufacturer for the budget that you do have. You have two riders that are gold. Gold pays hundred percent points and you have two riders that are silver. Now you only get one trade of those five positions per week or you know per race I guess. But you can before the before the qualifying starts, you can move your riders around as much as you want inside of your team. So you can move silver to gold and so on. The person who won this week, Jason, you ready for this? Mm-hmm. Jack Miller, Johan Zarco as gold. Yeah. Quadraro and Bagnaya as silver. Can't beat it. And Ducati as a manufacturer. Yeah, that's about as and he turboed a turbo Zarco. Turbo Zarco. So, you know, when you look at it, um, Trust you know, Craigers Craig. has, he's got only one more turbo left. Okay. Daytona 85's only got two more. Left. Like, everybody's used them. I mean, Z Racing team there in fifth, they've, they've got no turbos left. So, what'll uh, end up happening is that, yeah, I think um, even Team Bora, Bora in seventh, no turbos left. Everybody in the top. Well, all the way down to uh, what place, Greg? I'm trying to see. Top nine, a yeah, ninth so place, Desmo, or a tenth Desmo place. Desmo 74 Desmo. has three left. Correct. I have so, three left. I, have so I haven't three turboed. Left. I yeah. haven't either. Globemaster Racing has three left. So really, if you look at the top 27, there's only like, I think, two, uh, three of us that ha- that haven't used any of our turbos yet. Yeah, and I'm I'm not doing good. I'm, I'm 124th, and that's moving up for me, which, <laughs> yeah, I, I deserve to be laughed at. It's a beautiful day in the neighborhood. I do deserve to be laughed at. A beautiful at. day in the... Greg, you know what? I don't even care. You know why? Why? I don't know about you, but I'm pumped to get to VIR this week. Buddy. I mean, I'm not kidding. I've been thinking about what Superbike's going to look like at VIR, and I think it is going to be a... Battle Royale for two races. The Battle Royale, ladies and gentlemen. I, I do. I think Gagne's coming in there ready to rip it. Right. Uh, Heron's going to want to make a step. Loris Baz needs to make get points. Bobby's going to be ready to roll. Uh, Cam Peterson, hopefully, recovering a little bit more from that foot injury. Kyle got to test the Ducati a little bit. I just think that... I just think... And it, the track lends itself to great, super fast... Uh, or not fast, but super great racing. Uh, competitive racing. And, and when we left Atlanta, I don't think I've ever been looking forward to getting to the second round as much as I had ever in the last five years. I've been lucky enough to do this job. And I feel like all the classes all the way across, there's got so many question marks. Can Rocco make the jump to those front two guys along with Ben Smith and Xavier Zayad? And, you know, are they, are they going to be able to make that next little jump to get there? Uh, and then there's a group of guys like Lockoff and Nolan Lampkin and them. Can they make the jump up to Benjamin Smith and those guys, right? So in 600 and 1,000 super stock, I'm sorry, stock 1,000. Sorry, There you got it. Now look at you. That's going to be incredible. Um, And then, of course, you know, 
the, the Twins Cup and 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 Liquamale and all that. I think every class is intriguing to me, but I think Superbike now is so much more exciting for you and I to call. And I I wouldn't want to put money on. I don't know who I'd put money on going into this weekend. I don't know. Like Baz, we know has been to the track. Okay, oh, so yeah. he's he's done a track day, so he knows his way around. That's step number one. Obviously, he's going to know it. Um, you know, they're still working on data. We we didn't go to VIR last year, so in you know that team wasn't in existence right. in 2019. Right. But with that said, I would think that they would be able to, you know, Scotty Jensen and the Ducati engineers are smart enough to kind of figure stuff out from maybe some old data that's laying around somewhere with VIR. I'm sure somebody's going to figure something out. I mean, like when you look at it, though, like, don't you see this? We've seen some really good races at VIR in the past. Not the easiest track to get along uh, uh, race at as far as get past guys. Um, We've seen some feelings get hurt there in the past as well. Uh, and I, and I, I feel like I really do feel like that is, that's, what's going to, I, I just going to, I feel like it's going to be the same way. Yeah. I think it's going to be really good racing. I think session number one is going to be a critical session to make sure that everyone is up to speed with Jake Gagne and possibly even Loris. I think Loris is going to be, obviously he'll be a lot closer to the front, if not leading by the end of session number one. So there's a couple, couple, you know, riders like the M4 team, you know, they, they haven't been there in a, on a super bike yet. So I'm kind of concerned about, you know, how they approach it, what they're going to do. They have plenty of data from being there in years past, but what data translates to a super bike, but I think it's going to be very close. I think it's going to be great. The weather, Jason supposed to be sunshine, but by the I time we get to that. Sunday, it's going to be close to 90 degrees. Wow. So, you know, we're going to see who's ready for it. Who's really yeah. prepared for it because the one thing I do know is that you can train your heart out, but if you don't train in heat, the heat's still going to bother you. You've got to, you got to kind of get used to it. You know, it's not like you just go, oh, I'm super fit. No, it's 90 degrees. Now I'm in a leather suit, boots, gloves, and helmet. And you know, it's not like the highest speed racetrack we have. So the cooling is not spectacular, but it's going to be really fun to watch. All our classes are stacked up to be looking really good. And I'm really excited, obviously about the premier class. Yeah. We got a lot oh, of entries yeah. again, Ticket sales are through the roof again. That's great. Atlanta was insane. I'm sure. Road I'm America. sure Road America is going to be pinned this year. Too. Yeah, it is. And 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 like I said in the last podcast, if you're thinking about Road America and you haven't found a place to stay, good luck because yeah, it's, it's it's packed. It's packed. Yeah, it's really which good. Is, which is great. So I mean, Moto America going to VIR. Obviously, a lot of excitement this year around that series, around all the races. All the races are going to be good. Greg and I are looking forward to getting down there. This will probably be the last East Coast one that I don't get there till Thursday. And I've had a couple things come up where I just couldn't literally get down there. So I'm, I got a flight first thing Thursday morning, 530, I think, out of LAX. Yeah, but it's and, I mean, uh, it's fine. There's other than moving on Thursday midday. There's not, not a lot, lot going, going on. on. Yeah, not a lot going on. And uh, and so with that said, the next order of business, Greg, is you got to look at World Superbike Aragon this weekend. Finally, it seems like it's been forever since World Superbike's been on the grid. And again, there's a lot of intrigue. There's, I'm not going to say trash talking, but there's a lot of big talking going on right now about like, it's, you know, win or die time. Like we got it. Somebody's got to go beat Jonathan Ray. Somebody's got to go hand it to him. When you read his quotes, it's like, Hey, the bike's actually better for me now than it's ever been. Um, <laughs> Uh-oh. which is spooky. Uh, yeah. there's a lot of intriguing stories. 
I think that you're going to see a few riders with chips on their shoulders like Chaz Davis. I think Chaz is out for blood. His testing season so far, he seems really happy, really relaxed. Um, you got Nazani coming in from Japan, Kota Nazani. So he's a guy that, that uh, you know, is new to the series. Uh, he's going to be teammates with our own Garrett Gerloff. All right, I'll just put you on the spot. Okay. Gerloff, just say yay or nay. Gerloff top five by the end of the season. <laughs> yay. Gerloff top four by the end of the season. Yay. Three. Yay. I kind of agree with you. I, I agree. Two. Do you think? Do you think he's in the top two at the end of the season? I think he's battling for the top two. And the the only reason I say that is because you've got to just give the number one spot to Johnny Ray at this point. You really do. And I think that Garrett is another one of those guys where I feel I feel if he could take some of the stuff he learned last year, he will. He's, he's got to finish the races. He's got he to does. finish. And if he does that, he's got the pace to be at the front. Um. The guys that are going to be in that battle for second are, you know, the Scott Reddings, the Alex Lowe's, Rinaldi, Chaz. Those will be the guys. I, I I want to say that on any given weekend, the Hondas will be there with Batista and or Haslam or both. I, I Greg, I just don't know about the BMWs. I don't know when you yeah, look Yeah, they're at a huge question mark. There's no big question. Big question mark. New bike, but, you know, with the M1000RR, yeah. right? They're developing it. They have, what, three riders developing that bike if you include um eugene laverty so you got top rack that obviously is going to be there i don't know about world super sport champion locatelli i I don't know you know it's it's there are some definite question marks with certain things let me let me let me go down the list okay real quick and the question is race winner so yes or no okay jonathan ray duh nazani no jazz davis yep Batista. Nope. Ruben, Michael Ruben Rinaldi. Yep. Lowe's. Yep. Uh, Christoph Ponson. Well, no. let me just go with the obvious ones, okay? Yeah. So I'm going to skip Gerloff. a few. Yeah, so Gerloff. You look at the same page as I am now. Yep. Yes, I believe he'll win. Redding. I think Gerloff will win this year. Yes, okay. Redding will win. Uh, Tito Rabat. Nope. Okay. Razgatlioglu. Of course. And then we get to Vandermarks and Sykes. Well, Locatelli, who's on the factory bike also, I don't think he'll win. And I don't think Vandermark or Sykes will win this year. I think it, it, it'll be a conditions race. Same same with Haslam. I'd love to be able to say that the Hondas are going to win. I just don't. There's nothing yet that has made me think that. Now, when you watch the Hondas that we had in our series, just in stock, thousand form uh, in Atlanta, they were pretty impressive. Um, and if the if Hondas made a jump, that's pretty impressive too. I think that there's too many guys that are as good or better than the Hondas right now and including their own equipment that I just don't think the Hondas, I think it's going to be a conditions type of race for that to happen. I would agree with that. And I I hope that's not the case. I want to see, you know, Batista or, you know, definitely Haslam because he's got some speed. He's got speed to win races too, you know, but I think it's going to have to be right. I think if you really look at the Johnny Ray picture, there needs to be a gathering of everybody but Johnny Ray and say, how, how can how can we gang up against the guy, you know? But here's what happens, right? I mean, ultimately what ends up happening is when the pace gets pushed at the front and the mistakes start getting made, the one guy that doesn't seem to make him is the number one bite. He gets those points. So, you know, the problem we've seen with Chaz over the years is he makes, he makes those mistakes early in the year where he just loses the front. I mean, how many times have we seen Chaz 
lose the front at the beginning half of the season in races, and then he comes on strong at the end. It might be a little bit different this year for him. He seems like he's had a really good off season, and I expect Chaz to be to be feeding it to the two Ducati guys as well. I think he's going to be right with them, depending if he truly is getting the same equipment as them. I agree. So, and I think that, so that you know, new team, you, you know, new team. And I mean, like from a stick and balls perspective, right? Like yep. I've been with the team for 20 years. I'm going to a new team, new organization, new train of thought, same level of equipment, more or less. I'm, I have a refreshed attitude and Chaz is really, he's flying. In the I think the guy that's got the hardest work of all the riders on any team is Alex Lowe's because he's got to battle the guy on the same exact bike that he's on. So when you look at the potential of the Kawasaki and where it's at with Johnny Ray on it and what he's done on it, the most pressure and, and, uh, the hardest job I think will be for Alex. And, you know, he found something at the last test, literally the last day of the last test, last couple of days. Um, and, and it was like, wow, it, it, it actually felt like his bike a little bit more. It's the happiest I've seen him. So, you know, it's just going to be an interesting year. I think all the way There's across so the much board, talent, dude. world There's Superbike, so it's just going to be so much fun. And, and, you know, this is where our series now, you know, I, we're on the map, we're on the map for a couple of different reasons. Obviously, because we've got Garrett over there, and then we've got Baz over here now. So there's there's a connection, you know, where we've kind of swapped. Baz was over there last year, and I know Gerloff was as well. But now there'll be a lot more expectations put on on Garrett this year. So it's going to be fun to watch. And oh, oh, by the way, if you don't follow the Paddock Paddock Pass podcast, you should. So go check out Paddock Pass podcast for their Patreon supporters. Uh, they actually did a little preseason interview with Garrett Gerloff. That was good. So if you want to go check out Paddock Pass Podcast on Twitter, go check them out. They do post special content for their Patreon supporters as well. And that's our boy Steve English and a couple other guys that are running that. That's some really great information. And Garrett had some good things to say, but bottom line is, you know, as he Steve sent us that interview, Jason, is Garrett seems dialed in this year. He seems yeah, I, really laser focused. And I agree with you. I think that he's got a swagger and a confidence about him. And those couple of mistakes that he had last year, I don't think will creep into it this year. Um, you know, maybe one or two, but even Johnny Ray is subject to one or two, uh, you know, a year. Yeah, but, but he just, it, 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 when you say that, like, the, the, listen, the problem with Johnny yeah. Ray is, is that when he's on, he, he's on, like he's unstoppable. It's and so that's so when he's just getting points after points after points. And the weekends where he does struggle, he seems to, it, it, it like, it's almost like it doesn't matter because he's yeah. able to score so many points. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's, it's a weird incredible. thing. It's like, you're not saying that Johnny's steady Eddie and people are falling around him. Like, but he is, but he's also majority of the time faster than everybody else. Right. Like it's, yeah, absolutely. it's a weird dynamic, but it's why he's got the number one plate so many times. And the weirdest thing I think for us is that he's been on this podcast many times. We've got to get him on again. He's well, you know, he wants to come on again is that he's such a nice cat. I like him and I root for him, but I oh, also yeah. root for good racing. I want a good 100%. championship all the way down to the end. But I, I don't want to root against anyone. I mean, like looking at the faces in this paddock, I mean, there's no one that I don't like or, you know, I know half the field personally. And I'm like, yep. go for it. I think Scott Redding is another guy who's settled into the expectation that Ducati has. He's got a year under his belt. He's saying that he's less anxious than he was last year. It was a lot of anxiousness, not nerves. And he's really settled into now the rhythm. And so if a calm Scott Redding shows up, and they know some basic settings for him and how a lot of this bike works for him. He's another one. You got to, 
You got to watch well, out for that course. dude. Scott Redding is going to be, yeah, he's hungry and he's really, really hungry. So, yeah, the whole season, I think, Greg, we, we've got a big weekend ahead of us. With we do. A ton yeah. of, I mean, and it's kind of going to be how our weekends are now. I mean, there's just going to be so much good racing everywhere now over the next whatever you know weeks coming ahead of us here so oh yeah i mean listen on next week's show jason obviously we're going to talk about round two moto america that'll take up a lot of time we're going to talk about world superbike from spain and then whatever else we can come up with but if you look ahead to the race calendar obviously with vir and, and aragon like you're talking about but there's gncc in millville ohio there's flat track in fort worth texas we might have to talk about that as you know nhra top fuels are in uh, the harleys and stuff that's in houston texas so Look, you know, mask mandates are coming off. If you're at VIR, like for, for the race teams, if you're a Moto America listener, you got to watch that stuff Moto America puts out. But, you know, mask mandates have changed, Jason. Now we're no longer required to wear masks outdoors. You know, um, if you go visit someone, like say race control, you need to have a mask on. If you're going to someone else's indoor pod, like our pod, obviously your, yours and mine is the booth, you know, so someone visiting us needs to wear a mask. But so that's <laughs> changing. So be mm-hmm. careful out there. But it's opening up. So go out and watch some racing. I mean, the, the, the industry needs you people. They need it's you. Been, it's been hard for me with the mask to kind of spot you. You know, I haven't. So I'm glad the masks are coming off. So I'll be able to recognize who you are. Is that right? My bright smile. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. Your smile. Right. Why are you such an idiot? I don't know. It's a question a lot of people have asked you, Dub. Don't really know. 